1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: Well, hey, what's going on everybody? I'm Trevor Noah and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Wednesday, May 5th. So you know what that means, happy Cinco de Mayo. I actually didn't know what Cinco de Mayo was until I came to live in America, but now I understand that it's a traditional Mexican holiday where girls named Ashley throw up in the parking lot outside of a Chili's, a really beautiful tradition. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, we look at the war over teaching racism in America's schools and Donald Trump has lost yet another court case. So, let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
3: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears Edition. All right, let's kick things
2: off with Donald J. Trump former United States president, and the reason America will be paying for decades of therapy. It has been five months since Trump was indefinitely suspended from Facebook for the minor infraction of trying to overthrow the government. I mean, who hasn't done that? But today brought some new clarity on where you will and won't be seeing Trump online going forward.
4: Decision day this morning in a Facebook face-off with the company's independent oversight board upholding the decision to keep former President Donald Trump off the platform, at least for now. But the board, a kind of Supreme Court for Facebook, says it's not appropriate for the company to just make the ban indefinite, giving Facebook six months to review its decision.
3: And Donald Trump already moving on from the traditional social media sites ahead of the decision. He's launched his own new blog called From the Desk of Donald J. Trump. The blog posts are formatted like tweets and include options for people to post the content on other social media sites. People can sign up for alerts so they know when the former president writes something. Hold up!
2: This dude has been saying for months that he's gonna create a whole new social media platform to rival Twitter and Facebook, and he just ended up making a blog? And not just that, he's called the blog From the Desk of Donald Trump? when we know for a fact that he doesn't spend any time there. I mean, you might as well call it from the juice bar of Donald Trump. But I get it. You know, Trump had to do something to distract from the fact that he lost his appeal to get back on Facebook. Or as he put it, we won this appeal in a landslide. Everyone knows there's so many victories. And look, I get why Facebook extended Trump's suspension, but you have to admit, it does seem pretty unfair to ban him from a website that began as a way to rate women's looks. Oh, and just as a side note, it's crazy that Facebook even has a Supreme Court to make these decisions. What's even crazier is Mitch McConnell has already appointed four of its justices. If you've got a court, well, I'm frilling it. But let's move on from Trump to another unpredictable threat facing mankind. This one courtesy of China.
3: Scientists are tracking an out-of-control Chinese rocket falling back to Earth. It could partially survive re-entry into the atmosphere. The rocket launched last week, and the boosters were supposed to fall into the ocean, but they fell into Earth's orbit. That means the rocket parts, which are 98 feet long, could fall to Earth any day now, landing anywhere from New York to Beijing to New Zealand.
1: Experts say that this is really dangerous. Keep in mind, this is 20 tons, and nothing heavier than 10 tons has
2: ever fallen to Earth in 30 years. That's right, people. The last object this heavy that fell to Earth from space was Yo mama. Oh! But seriously, though, are you kidding me, China? You're telling me that after I spent a year inside, hiding from coronavirus, now that I can finally go outside, I gotta watch out for a rocket that could land on my head? Yo, this is some Final Destination bullshit right here. And by the way, They keep calling this thing a piece of a rocket. No, no, I'm sorry, that's a missile, all right? You don't get to call a missile a rocket just because you said oops first. And look, hopefully, hopefully all of this will turn out okay and this thing will fall safely into the ocean. Although, I mean, that's just my perspective. I'm pretty sure somewhere out there there's a dolphin that's probably thinking the exact opposite. But of course, the main threat to the planet is still the coronavirus pandemic. Now, in a sign of progress, President Biden announced a new goal of getting 70% of American adults vaccinated with at least one shot by the 4th of July, which is a pretty ambitious goal. I mean, if Biden wants to get 70%, forget releasing fireworks, he's got to release major. You can celebrate freedom from corona or freedom from your fingers, your choice, America. So if Biden gets his wish, the worst of the pandemic may soon be behind us in America. But what's also clear is that the impact of the pandemic is gonna stay with us for a really long time.
5: It is. So long to snow days for New York City students. The Department of Education released the 2021 to 22 school calendar year, and the DOE says that it will now keep two practices from last year. During severe weather, students will shift to remote learning instead of canceling school, and election day will also be a remote instruction day.
3: Everybody remembers those snow days when you're a little kid, you go outside, you know, have fun in the snow and whatnot. You can't expect us to be in there on, on, on the screen all the time. That's just a little, uh, outrageous now.
2: That's right, kids. The bad news is snow days are over. The good news is, thanks to climate change, soon there won't be any more snow! Yeah! Oh, that's not a good thing? Honestly, I always thought it was strange that kids in America got snow days in the first place. I mean, that didn't make any sense to me. You're staying home because it's unsafe to go to school? Have you been to an American school? If the mass shooters don't get you, the asbestos will. And not to mention, Amber is so mean all the time, and I didn't do anything to her. Like, why does she always say those things? But let's move on now to our main story. According to the internet, Winston Churchill once said, history will be kind to me. I know this because I intend to write it. Now, I'm not sure that He should have been so confident about how history would work because it turns out that he never actually said that. But he did say something very similar to it, which makes it more accurate than most quotes on the internet. You know, and to be honest, I guess there's just something very powerful about having a person having some italicized text next to their face. But the point about history being written by the winners is true. I mean, just just look at the American Revolution. America won that war. So history teaches it as a fight for freedom against the tyranny of England. But best believe if England had won the war, well, history would be about how they put down a riot by a bunch of cheating thugs. These domestic terrorists threw our tea into Boston Harbor while dressed as Native Americans, which aside from being criminal is very problematic. And if history is taught by the winners, nobody in America is winning more than white people which is why so much of what's in schools has been from their point of view.
3: African-American history is not taught adequately. What we learn essentially is a whitewashed history. Studies
5: have found less than 10% of class time is devoted to black history. Only 8%
4: of seniors can identify slavery as a central cause of the Civil War. There is no national standard for what history is taught. Each state sets standards which outlines what students are expected to learn. Seven states do not directly mention slavery, and eight do not mention the Civil Rights Movement. Only two states mention and white supremacy.
2: The kids learned that slavery was bad, but we ended it. Some stuff happened, but Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks kind of fixed that. And now look, Barack Obama, we had a black president. Racism is over, we're done. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that most students in America are only taught about a handful of important black Americans. Because can you imagine if it were the other way around? Welcome everybody to White History 101. We start off with Thomas Jefferson, where it all began. And then, well, nothing really happened until Tom Hanks, class dismissed. But yeah, basically America treats history the way most people treat their browser history. Just delete all the embarrassing stuff and hope no one notices. But the good news is that as society changes, they re-examine their pasts and ask themselves, should we keep telling ourselves what we wish happened Or should we understand what actually happened? And that's what's happening in American
5: schools right now. Students are asking their school administrators to incorporate anti-racist education into their curriculum. They aim to have books, Written by a person of color and their life struggles are required part of the curriculum. In North Carolina, a committee of social studies educators proposed that the term systemic racism should be included in the state's curriculum standard.
4: California State Board of Education has created the nation's first statewide model for ethnic studies curriculum at the high school level. Education officials say that kids do need to learn about discrimination and oppression that textbooks often overlook. A lot of times in school, you don't see a big representation of Black history. I see comments all the time saying, I learn more on TikTok than I do for my own school.
2: Yeah, that's how much education is lacking in America. Kids are going to TikTok to learn, which is insane. Social media isn't supposed to be a school. It's supposed to be where you post stuff that gets you suspended from school. And I'm not saying you can't learn about history on TikTok. Please don't get me wrong. I'm just saying you gotta be careful not to mix up history with everything else happening on TikTok. Wait, so Harriet Tubman started the Underground Railroad and the weight loss dance? Pretty dope. Now, look, reexamining your history is not easy to do, especially if it requires some self-criticism. You know, in many ways, writing history is like a breakup. Each person wants to tell the story about how they were the one who was right and the other person was an asshole. You know, it feels better to say she wasn't nice to my family as opposed to she found out about my secret second wife. And in the same way as American schools are starting to change what they teach about America's history with racism, it's causing a strong reaction from people who aren't comfortable with what their kids are learning.
3: There's growing backlash tonight against what critics call the indoctrination of public school students in an anti-white curriculum. It has to do with the teaching of what is called critical race theory.
5: Critical race theory teaches people and our children to judge one another, not based on the content of their character, but solely on the color of their skin. It would have our children growing up hating this country and hating one another.
1: It teaches more or less that America is inherently racist. more or less that that if you're born white you are necessarily racist. Essentially
3: every white person should apologize for being white and what happened 200 plus years ago. We are tired of the continual drumbeat of our educational system as used the program of our kids to, to program our kids into thinking that America is a country of hate and division.
5: Just because I do not want critical race theory taught to my children in school does not mean
0: that I'm a racist, damn it.
2: Bravo. Tearing up is like a white woman's go-to move for getting out of any sticky situation. Well, if it got me out of a speeding ticket, let's see if it works on a historical reckoning. Mm. Look, I get why these parents are upset. I mean, they don't want their children learning that white people are inherently racist, but that's not necessarily what teaching about racism does. For example, a big reason why American neighborhoods are segregated today is because historically, the government made it almost impossible for black people who tried to move into white neighborhoods. It was called redlining, and it was a societal structure that still has racist effects. Even if no white people in those neighborhoods now are personally bigots. The point is that you can look at your history critically without believing that you are personally to blame for it. And a good example of this is Germany. Right? They teach the Holocaust in the schools. But little Klaus isn't walking home from class like, oh Mama, Mama, ich bin a Nazi. They said that I was Hitler and I did the same thing as him, even though I'm five years old. No, that doesn't happen because Germans understand that we learn from history to grow from it, not to wallow in it. But you see, what's happening right now is that in America, some people don't understand that and their hysteria is spilling into actual laws.
5: Several states, including Florida, Idaho, and Iowa, have worked to ban the 1619 Project and Critical Race Theory from their core education plans.
4: Arkansas became the latest state where state agencies are barred from teaching any concept that the United States is an inherently racist nation. In Louisiana, a Republican lawmaker is now under fire for comments he made on the House floor when proposing the theory's elimination from academic curriculum.
3: If you're having a discussion on whatever the case may be, on slavery, then you can talk about everything dealing with slavery, the good, the bad, the ugly, the There's, ho-
1: there's no good to slavery though.
3: Well, then whatever, whatever the case may be, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to imply that. <laughs>
2: wow, guys, wow. It's almost like this guy wasn't properly taught about America's history with racism, huh? Although, I am glad that he recognized how wrong he was. But part of me does wish that he had just kept on digging in. Oh, really? You think that no good came from slavery? What, I'm the only one who likes the blues? None of you like the blues? Who's the real racist now, hmm? Still me? I guess it is still me. And you know what's really weird about this whole thing? Is how the same people who freak out about cancel culture now wanna use the power of the government to stop bad ideas from getting into schools. But I guess the solution is, if anyone really wants to get anti-racism education in schools, well, they should put the curriculum in Mr. (laughs) Potato Head's penis, and that way conservatives will defend that shit to the death. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that systemic racism is behind all of America's problems. In my opinion, I think a lot more laws are written to protect the upper class from the lower classes. I mean, that's why a lot of laws that screw over black people also screw over poor white people. Like, a lot of counties in America pull poor people over and ticket them for random things like taillights or whatever they want to, just to meet their quotas. But what they won't do is do that kind of thing on Wall Street, right? They don't pull people over who have access to lawyers or access to power. No one's frisking down the guys from Wall Street to check if they have cocaine. They wanna go after poor people. And it just so happens that the easiest way to find poor people in America is to look at the color of their skin. Because if they're black, the chances are higher that they're poor. Or look at how it's illegal to jump turnstiles in New York. I mean, that's targeted towards poor people, but it affects black people more because white men can't jump. But look, that's just me. The bigger issue that is being brought up with this controversy is, what is the point of teaching history? Like, what is the actual point? Is it to make kids feel good that they live in a perfect country with no problems? Or, is it to give them an unsparing assessment of how society got where it is so that they have the tools to change it in a better direction. And I say it should be the latter, because otherwise, as a wise person once said, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it.
3: (laughs) Don't go away.
1: how lucky we were to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. AT&T.
5: So recently, there's been a ridiculous debate about whether America's a racist country. Biden wants us to unite behind the idea that America's a racist country. Many on the left believe that America is an evil, racist country. That's the messaging at this point. The American people are racist. That is a lie. Absolutely absurd, liberals. Would a racist country have a Black History Month? Well, I've been watching Fox News for 358 hours straight, and I'm ready to do some Fox-splaining show me in the history books where America has been racist. Okay, not the first 98% of the book, but the end of the book near the glossary. I'll tell you what's racist. How come there's never been a white woman on the cover of Oprah's magazine? How can America be racist if it was the liberals who fired a hard-working black woman from her job as a syrup bottle? This is the country of African-American legends. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Macklemore. If our country is racist, how do you explain that I have been kicked out of Whole Foods more than any black person ever has? And I'll tell you what, the most racist people are the Democrats like Joe Biden who want to start teaching critical race theory in our beautiful public schools. Critical race theory is not appropriate for our kids to learn.
3: Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other.
5: This revisionist woke curriculum, you are not going to do this to our children. Now you might be wondering, what is critical race theory? All I know is we cannot have critical race theory in our schools. Hey, Wolf well, mom, stop canceling things that you don't agree with and start canceling things that I don't agree with. Like the 1619 Project. When you take the six out of the 1619, what have you got? 9 11. We need to get back to the traditional school subjects. Math, rivers, mitochondria, books that aren't about wizards, and, of course, the nice things that Christopher Columbus did. Instead, our children are being brainwashed with this racist, anti-racist critical race theory. Is it just me, or should our children not be learning any theory at all. Hey, Einstein, get back to me when you figure out the facts of relativity. Think about it. Why do our kids have nap time? So the teachers can woke them up. Ah, I don't think so, Principal Kaepernick. While the other kids are napping, my child will be reciting the Pledge of Allegiance for 20 minutes straight. No blinking. Woke history. Healthy lunches. Sober PTA meetings. Where does it end? I'll tell you where. With your child getting accepted to be brainwashed at an elite Ivy League university. I mean, what parent wants their kid going to Princeton? just like everything. You have to ask yourself... Who stands to benefit from this, huh? Who stands to benefit from the end of racism? Black people. So, there you go. So I say thank you to the brave Republicans who are not afraid to stand up to the Democrats and proclaim that America is not a racist country. Because otherwise, our kids are gonna be learning this from the loony left.
4: I don't think America is racist. No, I don't think America is a racist country.
5: Anthony Fauci is a vegan leprechaun. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall.
3: Yay!
1: Thank you. Thank you, Windows. Yes how oh. lucky we were! Yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic Five. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: AT and T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
2: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. My guest tonight is Jewish resistance fighter and concentration camp survivor, Selma van der Peer. She's here to talk about her incredible life and why 80 years after the Holocaust, stories from survivors are more important than ever. Selma van der Peer, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. You're welcome. You have lived a life that is remarkable. It has been a life filled with triumphs, trials, tribulations, And you are now telling your story. You have lived as a Jewish resistance fighter. You survived a concentration camp. And now, on May 5th, the Netherlands are celebrating 76 years of liberation from the Nazi occupation. Why do you think May 5th is so important to many people and especially to yourself?
6: May 5th? Oh, well, because it is... um, It is rather a good thing to remember, because we were freed from German occupation. I know people are celebrating today, but many people lost lives and families and are not ready to celebrate every time freedom. I think the day before yesterday was very much more important, because that was the day of the dead, Although, of course, today is very important, Liberation Day. And in your new book, My Name is Selma,
1: you
2: talk about your life. You talk about how you grew up in the Netherlands. You talk about how your family weren't even practicing Jews. You were just living a normal life, and all of a sudden that got turned upside down when the Nazis started invading Europe, I would love to know what that felt like to you as a person, where one day you felt like you were part of a community and a society, and the next thing you know, you were in danger just because of your family's history.
6: Although my my great-grandparents were very religious, but my father was a very great liberal, and so I got that on from him. And we lived an, a life amongst... All Christian people, and uh, just we one of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> as civilians. And um, so it, it was not felt you were Jewish. You knew, my girlfriends knew I was Jewish, and I knew who was Catholic, and I knew who was Protestant, but it didn't make any difference. Mm. We were just all friends. And that changed when the Germans came in. You talk about in the book how your life changed
2: over the course of a few months, where in one moment you were a young girl who was 17 years old, and then, because of what was happening in the Netherlands, the Jewish community, you had to come together to try to fight the scourge of the Nazis. As a young girl who is dyeing her hair to change how she looks, uh, as a young girl who is trying to help fellow members of the Jewish community with passports and papers and food and transport. What was going through your mind when this was happening? We
6: were thinking that the end would come soon. In fact, it came later than we thought, but it was said all the time, it will only be six months or something. Don't Don't forget the Netherlands were neutral in the First World War. And the whole population thought that this time, we would be neutral as well, and no occupation was considered. So when it did come, it was a great surprise. After a year or so, the, the um, declarations came in that Jews were not allowed in the, on the trams and not allowed in the cinemas and not allowed to visit Christian friends anymore, etc. And so that then one was made to feel an outsider, a Jew. When you were
2: captured by the Germans, they forced you to work on an assembly line um, manufacturing gas masks for the Germans. And you talk about how what you would do is leave some of the screws loose so that the gas masks wouldn't work properly. I have two questions about that. Firstly, weren't you afraid that you would be caught? And secondly, where did you get that idea from?
6: Well, I, on, I was on the assembly line, and one of the first days I was sitting on this side of the assembly line, the other girl, Hetty uh, Wouter was her name, became very important in the resistance. Um, she said, don't, don't tie the screws too tight. She told me to. So I was very could, and I thought it was wonderful because some <laughs> of the we, we tried to do, you see, not realizing how dangerous it was, really. We'd, we thought, well, we were Dutch and we could do anything. And later on, when I had my thumb broken and couldn't work on the assembly line for a week, uh, and afterwards, I had to put the gas mask in the box and check them. And, of course, I knew that the screws were loose, but I still put them in because it was sent straight to Germany and Poland for the soldiers. W- when, when you look at
2: the world today, you are one of the few remaining survivors of that time. Many people worry that society will forget that story. As fewer survivors are able to recount what happened to them, those stories will be lost to history. And part of the fear is that history will then repeat itself. Why do you think it's so important for us to keep on talking about what happened during that time when Nazi Germany was invading the world?
6: Because that's why I think commemorations are so important. Because when you commemorate, you tell the story. And people tell the stories which has happened. And I personally go every year back to Ravensbrück with a group of women and men who... Have just finished their teaching training, teachers' training, and um, they tell the children when they become a teacher what has happened and what they've heard. And oh. I've had, and I've had, and so that's why it's good. I do this every year, and um, and I've done it for the last twenty years by now. And I have now. I have often get um, letters from or emails from these students, some of these students who have become teachers and who are telling the children. I often wondered how many of them really did something with this workshop information. But of course they did. That's very good to hear. I didn't think the book was going to be important. I didn't think the book was going to be top of the booksellers list. I was very pleased when it was going to be published, but never never in my life thought that it was going to be so read, much read, you know.
2: I, I think I think the reason everybody should read the book, and I think the reason so many people have read the book, is because not only have you lived an unbelievable life through one of the most unbelievable and horrific times, but what you're teaching people about life beyond that is so important. And, and before, I, before, I, before I leave you, you are now 98 years old and you still live life, you enjoy yourself, you play bridge. I was told that you play golf. I don't know if that's true. So you play golf? Until, until last November. Right, so playing golf, playing bridge, living life. I would love to know what inspires you to find your joy and what keeps you going in the
6: world every single day. I do enjoy every day. I try to enjoy every day. <clears throat> so, um, I try to eat sensibly, behave sensibly, <laughs> and um, I try to have friends, which I have, and they're very good to me, especially now I'm old. Every morning when I wake up, I'm glad that I'm alive. I'm very much realize the fact that I am alive, and many, many, many thousands of people are not. I've written the book also in commemoration of all those people who were resistance fighters Mm -hmm. and lost their lives, helping other people to stay alive, really.
2: Well, I I will say this um, from my small little world. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for writing the book. Um, Thank you for sharing your story, and um, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I I hope you get back to your bridge and your friends and continue enjoying every single day. Selma van der Peer, bye, danke.
6: You're welcome. Thank you.
2: Don't forget, everybody, My Name is Selma, comes out May 11th and is available for pre-order right now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this.
1: This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic Five. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: AT and T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
4: Let goods. That's dot A.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details.
2: Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, May is Jewish American Heritage Month. So please consider supporting the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. They're working to ensure the permanence of Holocaust memory, understanding, and relevance. By supporting the museum, you are helping to create a world in which people confront hate, prevent genocide, and promote human dignity. So if you are able to in any way help, then please go to the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're outside and your nose is runny, you've got allergies. If you're outside and your head really hurts, you probably just got hit by a Chinese rocket.
3: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
4: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.